welcome to Popcorn for One. Grab your popcorn and make sure you are sitting comfortably. Popcorn for One is about to review some classic and not so classic movies for you all to enjoy. It may even make you want to watch some of these. Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast from Popcorn for One, your fortnightly film views. Uh, we've got quite a bit to run through, I hope you've all had a good fortnight. So let's tell you what I've been going through over the last two weeks very quickly and what you expect to hear in this podcast. Um, we're going to have a bit of chat about what has happened in cinema and film recently. Then we're going to have a run through of the 10 films that I've watched this week, which will be a bit more than probably just a few lines on each one. Uh, then we're going to talk Oscars, which happened, I'm recording this on Monday, it happened last night while I was asleep. I've already watched it, so we'll be discussing that. Then we'll do this week's big review. Uh, then we'll talk about the box office top 10 and that will be that. Hopefully this won't be as long as last time because last time I was getting in the swing of things and I think it was a little bit drawn out. So without further ado, let's get on with the actual news for this fortnight, shall we? Who would like the news? I do. This is actually going to be happy majority of it. Um, obviously the big news is the fact that the Oscars happened last night as I'm recording this on Monday. You're hearing it on Wednesday. Hello, future Emily. How are you? Hope you've gone well. Hope you're all okay as well. So that's going to be chatted about in probably about 15, 20 minutes or so once I've done this and I've gone through what I've actually watched this week. However, I am going to start my news with the very sad news that Helen McCoy died this fortnight. She died last Friday. Um, and she will always be Aunt Polly, and she will always be Mummy Malfoy, and she will always just be fabulous. And Damien Lewis's words to his late wife were absolutely heartbreaking, and you just wanted to give him a cuddle, and you just wanted to tell him it was going to be okay, and we, uh, we will really miss her. She was stunning and she lit up every scene she was ever in. I mean, the fact that in Skyfall, when she's sitting there on that desk and she's just berating Judy Dench for everything, that's how good she is because you knew she had to get a point across and she owned that scene. There's so much going on in the background that you weren't actually meant to be paying attention to this MP having a go at M and... You really do. And in future, you will just watch all of her performances and just go, yeah, yeah, you were good. Oh, why have you gone? Oh, God bless you, Helen. Wherever you are, look after yourself and we'll look after Damien for you, okay? Right, let's get on to some trailer news, shall we? We've had a couple this week, Fast and Furious 9, they're going to space. Of course they are. whoop de doo Big time. It's going to be fun. It's going to be very fun. Um, then we had the trailer for Annette with Adam Driver and Marianne Cotillard. And that looks beautiful. And I can see myself sitting there in the cinema with a scarf and all being wrapped up all being happy watching that. Just thinking, ah, yes. Brilliant. Then we had uh, Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings, the next Marvel film that's going to happen after Black Widow. When we get Black Widow in July, <sighs> can't come soon enough. 
But that looks good. That looks entertaining. I know nothing about that character at all. So I really actually want to go in there not knowing that much and actually just go on his journey with him. So I'm really looking forward to that. And then the trailer I've had the most comments about all Fortnite is the Hitman's wife's bodyguard. Yep, Reynolds and Jackson are back together again. And I think that's a family day out. I think that is me my sister, her husband, and my parents all going to cinema, all eating far too much popcorn and just sitting there and laughing, watching it, because you know what you're going to get. We all love the first one. I remember when I told them all that I'd seen the first one, I went, really? You've seen that? And they all love it. It's brilliant. And it's a perfect popcorn film. And what a better way to go back to the cinema than all five of us going to watch that at some point in May or June. It's going to be hilarious. So I'm really looking forward to that. Let's actually talk some film news now. Um, we've, there's been a few things which have come to my attention that are coming out soon. Um, first of all, we on here we are not going to be discussing Falcon and Winter Soldier. Um, I haven't got Disney Plus yet. I'm waiting for Loki to get halfway through. Then I will be buying Disney Plus to watch WandaVision, Falcon, Winter Soldier and Loki. Um, so I'd muted that and then something happened which appeared on my timeline 12 hours after the last episode of theirs and I was angry because people saved that to binge it all in one go and you announce whatever the big announcement is because I'm not going to ruin it for you all on here. 12 hours after it's been on air? At least wait a week. At least give people a chance to watch all six. Come on, Disney. It's a bit harsh. So I don't know, without watching any of it and avoiding it or muting that, what happens in Falcon Winter Soldier. Thanks, Disney. Um, that's not the only Marvel news this week. Um, Secret Invasion, which will become to Disney Plus with Samuel L. Jackson and Ben, um, has got Olivia Coleman and Amelia Clark joining. Were they going to be scrolls or not? No idea. But Olivia Coleman and MCU, I am up for that. We've also heard um, that Russell Crowe's finished filming his part on Thor, Love and Thunder, and he has publicly announced, so it's not a spoiler, but he is playing Zeus. Ooh, very interesting, very entertaining. Uh, so Tyker's had his work cut out there. Tyker also this week is going to be appearing on Drag Race Australia and New Zealand with Kylie and Danny Minogue. I mean... I was probably going to watch Australian New Zealand Drag Race anyhow. I love their accents and they're absolutely epic over there and they've got some brilliant drag queens and it's going to be fabulous. So that's just confirmed that my Sunday morning viewings from now on will be me watching Drag Race on BBC Three in my pyjamas. But the fact that Tiger's going to be on there this week is brilliant. Um, we've had um, a few bits of casting news this week. The most prominent one is the fact that Mads Mikkelsen is joining Indiana Jones 5. I didn't actually realise they were doing a fifth Indiana Jones film. I'm guessing Alison Ford's coming back. But, yeah, that's what's happening. So that will be very interesting to see how that fits. Um, also, in Mads kind of related news, this is literally just broken here on Monday. You'll all, you'll all have this as common knowledge by the time you hear this on Wednesday, but they want to make another round into the film, another round, that's just won all the Oscars for foreign language film, into a not foreign language film and have Leonardo DiCaprio be believed in it. I mean, I want to go and watch another round in its glory in Danish 
before I go and see the original. I want to see it on the big screen. Um, so I'll be doing that first, and then I'll be deciding where I'm going to go and watch the British remake because I've invested a lot of time into reading up about another round and how good it is. So I want to see that before I see DiCaprio do it. Um, we've also had the announcement this week that Fisherman's Friends 2, a British film, that is happening. They've started casting it. I'm guessing Daniel Mayers is back, isn't it? Um, oh, I might watch that this week. I might watch Plus One. If you've not watched Plus One, try and find it. It'll be possibly on 4OD somewhere, but it's hilarious. It's what made Daniel Mayers. Um, but, yeah, well, I've digressed there, but I think you should all watch Plus One. Um, but Fisherman Friends 2, I mean... I'm not sure where it can go from where it ended in Fisherman Friends 1. It's got to have some artistic license because it ended at the end of a real story. So, hmm. Another very British film that's been announced that's coming out for Christmas is Downton Abbey 2. Hmm. I've never watched an episode of Downton Abbey. I know, that's appalling. And I'm British. I should be obsessed with it. But it's not my cup of tea. It really isn't. But I know it's a lot of people's cup of tea. I mean, the idea of Downton Abbey for Christmas in the cinema is probably exactly what lots of people need right now. So don't blame them for doing it. It's going to rake in the money. So good on them. My personal highlight of movie-related film news this fortnight has been that they have started filming the second Sonic the Hedgehog film. And I hear you all say you didn't really like the first one. You liked the fact that it ended, that it had lots of questions. Oh, it's answering my questions. Because if you've not seen the last Sonic the Hedgehog film, I'm give you three seconds to mute this for the next two minutes. Radio science takes a long time, I know. Um, but Tails turned up in the mid-credit scene. Tails is in the next film, and so is Knuckles. My inner five-year-old was leaping around like crazy going oh my god oh my god tails and knuckles are in the sonic film and they look so good all the money that they spent getting sonic right the second time around it's obviously working on how to get tails and knuckles right this time around it's going to be brilliant and well actually it's not going to be brilliant it's going to be average and then it's going to have a payoff at the end where the battle is exactly like video games and through swirly bits and jumping up and down and a bit of weirdness and hopefully Jim Carrey turns up and is a bit weird again and hopefully that will be good or at least average but then have a payoff for Masonic nerds like me that is what's happened in the last fortnight in my opinion in the world of film um so that is that we will get on to the Oscars in about 10 minutes um so now let's have a run through of what I've watched this week I've now taken the decision to record this podcast on Monday so then you get it on a Wednesday every fortnight. So I will be going from Sunday to Sunday with my fortnightly film watching to talk about it. So if you suddenly see, hang on, she has reviewed this film and it's not on her podcast for a fortnight, it's because I've watched it Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday. So that's what's going to be happening. So let's just run through exactly what I've been watching this fortnight. There's 10 films in total. They all started to link at one point, and then they didn't, and it was a bit like, okay. So to start with, I watched Apollo 13. I remember watching the end of Apollo 13 when I was probably about 10, and I remember seeing Tom Hanks in it and thinking, mm, that guy, he sounds like Woody from Toy Story. I didn't really put two and two together, um, and didn't actually remember much of it. I am now 
a bit i'm not a space nerd but whenever something goes up to the space station i'm following it we have our own local astronaut tim peak who literally comes from our county's biggest town and city went up to the space station how cool is that so i do love a few bits of space i love stars love a bit of astrology and just looking up to the sky thinking hmm interesting and all the Apollo missions always made me as a child think, oh, oh, let's look at this and let's look at that. Um, and obviously, we all know that Apollo 13 didn't get to the moon and that they had all that trouble, but they brought them home and it was such a relief that they didn't. It was such an effort. And watching that film, you really do see that it is such an effort and it is absolutely brilliant how they do that. Uh, everyone in that film brings their A game, but the person that steals the show is Ed Harris. Ed Harris is phenomenal as the person at Houston, and no offense, Hanks and um, Bill and Kevin, uh, he absolutely steals the show, and it's his film. And Tom Hanks gets applauded for it, but it should go to Ed Harris. We also need to discuss the fact that throughout the first. 20 minutes of a film, it's how everything might go wrong with this space mission. It's Apollo 13, they're going up on the 13th, they're going to land on a Friday, this has been moved forward, this person loses their wedding ring, they might not go to the launch, this might not happen. It was just, I know that it's history and that we all know it gets wrong, but it was laying it on thick. That was a bit much for the 90s, but it was a good film and I sat there and I got really emotionally involved like I do with anything that Elon sends up to space, and you just sit there and you just go, come on, you can get there, you can do this, you can do this. I love standing in my back garden waving at the space station. It's amazing. I love it. It's brilliant. <sighs> we then went on to a different kind of space film after that, and I watched Arrival. I hadn't watched Arrival um, before. Uh, when it came out was when I first got my cinema cards, and I wasn't going to be going every week to see every single film available like I would be doing right now um but I decided to go and see a different Amy Adams film that week and went and saw Nocturnal Animals the following week I wasn't well the following week it was my birthday and the following week it wasn't in cinema I wish I'd gone and seen that as well I should have been brave at the time and not been like oh someone's gonna think oh she's weird come and see two films in cinema on her own in a week who cares um it was brilliant I love the fact that it was all about language and uniting and doing things together. That was such an emotional and involving film. And you did sit there and you did want to communicate. You were trying to work out what was going on. And you just thought, oh, yeah, yeah, this is good. It's progressive. It's stunning. The um, things that arrive are just because you don't fully see them until you get much further on the film. It doesn't matter that the reveal is much later on. It's not a scary reveal either. They're just as scared as us as they are of them, and that was the point of it. It was a point of intelligence and language and breaking down those barriers, and it's brilliant. And how Amy Adams hasn't got an Oscar anyhow for anything else, how she didn't even get nominated for a rival baffles me. She, her performance in that is better than Emma Stone's in La La Land. I'm sorry, Emma. Your performance was lovely at the time, but looking back at it now, should have gone to Amy Adams. Well worth it if you like your sci-fi. 
Ivan watched The Land of Steady Habits, which is available on Netflix. It's Netflix original. Um, it is, it's an everyday family, really. Okay, there's a few exceptional circumstances of some teenagers taking drugs, but I think all teenagers have vices of some sort, be it alcohol, not going home. Oh, it's been a while since I've been a teenager, so we won't go into all those different vices, but it's about, you know, wanting freedom but wanting to be yourself and how you deal with divorce and your parents retiring and just people not knowing other people and how people deal with their lives. Uh, it, part, it hasn't got that well-known cast, but it was just nice to actually watch a film about everyday life, especially when you're watching films, you know, which are based on space or fantasy or bit dark and twisted just watching something which kind of depicts a bit more of an everyday life around christmas and how traditions change and how people react to certain things is good um it's not gonna break any grounds and you're probably sitting there going what the heck is land of steady habits but it's a good 90 minute you sit there and you watch it and you get to the end of it and you go like yeah 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 that was okay that was a film yeah so if you want to watch it, you can. It's not something to scream from the hilltops about. Isle of Dogs, however, is better the second time round. Oh, my God. First time. This was one of the films I saw on April 3rd. First time when I saw it, I was like, oh, this is hearty. Oh, this is clever. Oh, Wes Anderson's absolutely nailed it. It's so brilliant. Second time, now that I know what happens, I'm busy watching all these layers come back from this film, I'm busy looking at how clever it is and how well-crafted it is and how it's just brilliant. And I love that Jeff Goldblum's dog just does rumours the entire way through the film. Um, like Franston's brilliant. But that whole little pack of dogs are brilliant. And the kids, amazing. And you just sit there and you just look at how it's been crafted and you watch the film and you just think, yeah, this is the kind of film we need more of. It's inoffensive. It's funny. It's sweet. It's if you if you've got kids, it's an adult animated film, absolutely. But if you've got kids, there's nothing that's going to offend your kid. In it. Your kid might get lost halfway through. I think this is some weird trip because sometimes you do watch a Wes Anderson film and you do think yeah, this is trippy. But it's one of those films that when you do watch it again. More the more times you watch it, the more you appreciate the effort in it, and the more you think actually this is a really good film. It's well worth it. Find it, people. I'm not sure where you can, but find it. It'll probably be on for film four or something like that. I think Disney Plus have now got all the Wes Anderson stuff. I know we've got Grand Budapest Hotel and the French Dispatch soon, so maybe they've got it. Now, for a trip to BBC iPlayer, it might still be on there. They do tend to get rid of films on BBC iPlayer within two weeks of it being on there, so it might just about still be hanging on. Um, the Accountant. This was a film my sister saw at the cinema, and I didn't go and see because I was on holiday for two weeks, and then when I came back, it wasn't in the cinema. Um, it's all right. I like the fact that it's slow-paced, and then it suddenly goes, rumph. But it's such a tone shift at a really random place in the film. You just think, oh, oh, okay, fine, we're going here. As someone that works in finance and is park qualified accountant and bookkeeper and payroller, 
I don't do everything Ben Affleck does in this film. Not all, I know, accountants get about, oh, you're boring, you do nothing. But our lives are that exciting. We're not going around being an actual hitman or working for the mafia. So that doesn't happen. I, or I didn't like the fact that, um, what's her face? Oh, the girl from Pitch Perfect, or whose name will suddenly come back to me in a minute. Um, she just randomly turns up and then she's kind of like half forgotten and then she's gone. That's a bit like, hmm, okay. I liked the flashbacks. The flashbacks were kind of cool and were like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that, how that built. But at the end of it, when it got to the final showdown, it was done, the final act was done quite quickly and then he spent the whole film being worried about, oh, her name's Anna Kendrick. Her name's Anna Kendrick, sorry. I'm so sorry, Anna Kendrick. My friends will kill me because they love Pitch Perfect and I love her, so I'm so sorry for getting the name as Anna Kendrick. Anyhow, sorry, that's probably me going off on a tangent, but I'm not going to get rid of this thread now. Um, but, yeah, it's the fact that he spends the whole film going, oh, I can't finish this, I can't finish that. And then it gets to the reveal at the end, which I did see coming, and then he doesn't finish that, and then he does finish it, but then he doesn't actually finish the job, and it's just like... Mm. Ah, oh, darn it. So many missed opportunities in that. If he'd have actually finished the job and done it properly, it would have been more believable. Um, it's all right, but there's bits in it that really do irritate me quite a bit. So it wasn't something that I will be sitting there going, oh, watch this, watch this. However, you've all seen it, and I hope you all watched it on Thursday. Thursday was the 20th birthday of Shrek. I sat here and I watched it on Netflix and I probably quoted it word for word. I'm pretty sure the rest of my building heard me scream out loud, I'm a donkey on the edge! Because that's the best line of the entire film. Oh, other than that, I'm making waffles. That's a motor. There's a nice motor. I mean, there's some jokes that as kids go completely over your head, but as an adult, you just sit there and you laugh and you cry and it'll be in your windows and it's... It's a modern classic. One of my friends says it's the best film of all time, if not the best romantic film of all time. She has a point. It is real. It is a perfect love story. It's lovely. And I'm sure you have seen Shrek hundreds of times like I have. And never, you never actually get bored of it. You still laugh. That's the joy of it. And that's why it's a good film. I then went to my parents with the intention of watching Sound of Metal over the weekend. I didn't watch Sound of Metal. I went for a walk. I watched football. I had something to eat. And then I looked up time before the next bit of football was on. So I haven't got time to watch Sound of Metal. Darn it. What should I watch? So I watched The Framing of Britney Spears, the documentary that came out back in February and all about her conservatorship and her parents and her dad taking over her state and her breakdown and everything that happened. And my mum wasn't going to watch it with me. And she sat there and she watched the entire thing. And she was sitting there going, oh, my God, does that really happen to Britney? I'm like, yeah. Because as a kid, when, you, when I was little, when I was about 10, Britney broke. Britney became the huge star that she is. Uh, with Hit Me Baby one more time and it was everywhere and you sat there as a 10, 11 year old learning the dance routines and wanting to be Britney and being all about and then she went through all of her troubles while we were all being emo teenagers and just sat there and thought like yeah I'm an emo teenager but I still have a bit of Britney Spears and 
you just always sat there and you've watched her and you feel like you've, even though you're younger than her, that you've grown up with her. And so when you're busy watching all the people talking about where's Britney gone and why she disappeared off the face of the earth and what's going on and what's actually behind all this, you sit there and go, good for you, people. You've proved a point. You've stood up for, you've done this. Well done. Brilliant. And it was so interesting to see how the paparazzi treated her then and how celebrities are treated now. It's e it's how easier now probably to be more intrusive into someone's life. Paparazzi couldn't go into someone's house, but now you on your keyboard can sit there and type or blog like I am and get a message across, which might affect them. At the end of the day, celebrities are human beings as well. I once went for a job at a PR company to do their books um, when I was much younger, and one of and it was run by a celebrity, and they did celebrity. Um, so if a celebrity wanted to appear on a TV show, they were their manager, so I sent them to do this and got them jobs and whatever. So I was doing all their payroll for all of that. And I got to a point during the interview and someone said, ah, oh, what do you actually think of celebrities? And I think they thought I was going to have this, you know, ah, oh, celebrities are brilliant, ah, oh, this and that. And I actually told them that celebrities are just normal people with exceptional lives and they're very privileged to have that job my thought still remains the same though a celebrity is just the same as you and me but they've had their 15 minutes or more of fame and the more that that becomes normal the more you think oh we should put them on a pedestal they are just normal human beings they sit there and they are busy deciding well maybe they're not but someone is but they're deciding do I want to have that bag of crisps do I want to go for a walk okay they probably have more of a schedule than doing that but they're still human. They still have emotions and they still have hearts and feelings. So we need to be much kinder to celebrities. Now we've got for extra money and more power, but they are just human beings as well. I watched Semi-Pro. I haven't seen Semi-Pro in a couple of years. It's Will Ferrell's basketball film. It's mental. It's absolutely crazy. And Will Ferrell was just doing sport films, comedy and doing them being wacky and ridiculous and you just sat there and the thing the thing that got me the most was when they're doing their halftime practice performance before they do the puke and they're all dressed up as seahorses and they're trying to have a serious conversation dressed up as flamingos palm trees and seahorses trying to convince him that he shouldn't run the basketball team anymore <sighs> and the bear wrestling i mean the whole film's hilarious it's just it it, it, I needed it for a time and place, so I got home and I was a bit like, oh, I need to put something fun on and watch something that doesn't need to fully concentrate. And I did fully concentrate on it, and it was amazing, and I still laughed my head off. And it looks very awkward now. There's some bits where you sit there and go, mm, sorry about that. And some bits where you go, oh, really, you were doing that? But it's still really funny. I am not going to talk about the next film. I'm just going to tell you what it is because this week's big review is A Private War, which you can find on Netflix, but we will get to that in a bit. Finally, I watched Shooter. It was on Film 4 and I hadn't seen it in a while. And it always reminds me of my A-level geography when we went on a field trip and all the boys wanted a like an action film to watch in the evening and we all weren't bothered. And then all us girls weren't, was 16 or 17 and decided not to go to the pub knowing we were all going out the following night and we were 
all going to go and get the booze then and have a party. Um, and all the boys either went to the pub or went and played um, football in the park. And we were all sat there like, well, we don't want to watch EastEnders and we don't want to watch that. So we watched Shooter. And the seven girls that went on a geography field trip all sat in this hostel that we were in and we watched Shooter. And we all sat there and we were like, we've picked the correct decision because we're watching Mark Wahlberg being all an action hero. And at the time, we were watching an unknown Michael Penno as well. What's up? Um, and you just sit there and whenever I watch it now, I just think of that field trip and all the fun we all got up to and all the stuff that went down. But it is a good film. It isn't a stunning action film, but it's quite clever and you do sit there and you do think, oh, and I like the fact that it has you think it's ended and then it's got a definite end after that and it's just like oh oh yeah you get the payoff and Mark it properly turned Mark Wahlberg into I don't need an ensemble cast anymore I can be the leading man in action films and he's done well with that since I mean that he's more playing actual regular people less of the action hero there are a few action things that he does like the Transformers films but it did make him who he is, and it's a good film. It's a really good film, and it's worth your time. So that's what I've watched in the last fortnight, people. Let's move on to some Oscar chat, shall we? Who wants to talk about the Oscars? I have just got home. It's currently Monday night here, Monday the 26th. I've just got home from my parents, and I have just watched the Oscars. Um, this probably won't be as long as the BAFTAs because most of the awards went to the same people as the BAFTAs. So there's not going to be that much of a, oh, oh, this is one and that's a shock because after watching BAFTAs, it wasn't anymore. It was more of a, oh, okay, oh, okay, oh, okay. So let's go for it, shall we? Can we, first of all, talk about the fact that they did it in the wrong order. I mean this in the best way. I understand they wanted to freshen it up and do it differently because they couldn't have all the people that were there. They had some people in Sydney and some people in London and some people in whichever city they were from. And everyone in America in Los Angeles. And it was in a train station. That was a bit weird. I mean, my train station doesn't look like that. Even my main train stations near me don't look like that. Even ones in London unless you go to Greenwich, where Rogue One's filmed, don't look like that. So, I mean, no one was running past to go and get a ticket for a train, were they? No one was missing their train at four o'clock in the afternoon. So that was odd, but they should have still run it in order. I like the fact that they started with the screenplay awards. That was good. But then to hand out directing quite early and then to do best picture third from last was it third from last yeah it was third from last so no for those that haven't watched the oscars or have lived under a rock for the last couple of days nomadland one um that's no there's not gonna be there's all gonna be spoilers but you've all seen it, it's all on the news nomadland one and then there was two more awards to go. It wasn't even like it was, you know, BAFTA's hand out best picture and then hand out their fellowship. That's the highest honour you can get at BAFTA. 
So it wasn't like they'd even gone for, ah, oh, this is one best film and now we're going to hand out best director. Then they did the acting awards, which was a bit, hmm, okay. And then they did the acting awards and Frances won. And her speech when they won Best Picture was epic. And she basically said everything she wanted to say about the fact that we need to save cinema and the arts, which is something that I'm hugely about, which if you've read my blog, you will see that there's a lot of posts about this um, and that we all need to go and sit in the dark cinema all summer and watch all these films because we've not seen them all because Nomadland isn't available yet in the UK. Yay, not Oh, that really does my head in as well, that half a month available here, yeah. Um, but she did that speech, and then she won Best Actress and literally went, oh, I've said what I want to say. Um, thank you. Um, you are brilliant. You are powerful. Bye. And then it went to Best Actor, and Anthony Hopkins won, and didn't even go to the London area to pick up his Oscar. Now, I'm not sure. I know he's 82 and it was like 3 o'clock in the morning, but you'd have thought that he might have even sent a video for an acceptance or told Olivia Coleman, if I win, I want you to say this and then I will say something else. You know, could have done something like that. It wasn't like there wasn't anyone there representing him. If that could have happened. That would have been much better. But the fact that he didn't do that was a bit like... Hmm. So the evening had gone all right up to that point, and then the finale was like, oh, hmm. Also, by having best actor last, you're making the best actor your number one. So it's a, being best actor better than being best female, despite the fact you've just awarded um, women for screenplay. Emerald was absolutely amazing, and director for Chloe which I found out, this is my fact of the week, Chloe Zhao, when she came to the UK, went to Brighton College. Oh, I know. It's very posh. Um, I didn't go there, obviously. You can tell by my voice. Um, I'm proper like what normal people's is. Um, but she, yeah, she went to Brighton College and learned English for the first few years and then went into the English education system and then went to America and learned her craft. Um, but yeah, she went to Brighton College, so good on her, and good on her for winning the Best Director. That's two out of ninety-three. Woohoo, girls! What up? Getting there. Um, but she won that, and you just felt that you know we've been building up, and it all been going well, and we had that epic Daniel Kaula speech about his mum and his dad deciding to make love, and that he was there, that we should just celebrate life and just be happy for it. And, yeah, it just ended on a bit of a, hmm. I like the fact that they didn't have loads of interruptions. You know, normally Oscars we hear from all of the songs um, on the stage, which have, like, loads of people moving things and things like that. So it was quite nice that we only had, like, a minute of each song before it, ha before it happened. Um, it was also quite weird that, um, no, sometimes I didn't like, um, I liked the fact that they all talked in depth about the people that were nominated and where they'd learned their craft. But there were no clips of the film, especially in the year when we've not been to the cinema. This is the way this all felt to me is how everyone else, other than people that are absolutely obsessed with films and try and do a lot, 
watch a normal Oscars. So because, because well, yesterday I had a conversation with my sister and she sat there and she went, what's going to win Best Picture? What's going to win Best Picture? And I went, well, I'm looking at the eight and I've seen one of them, so I'm going for that. She's like, what? You normally get at least eight out of ten, if not all of them in a year. I'm like, I've seen one. There's only one other that I have access to here at the moment and two that I could access at my parents. But I haven't got access to them all, so I can't watch them. So I can't make a formative decision on the Oscars or the BAFTAs, which really upsets me because usually last year I had like best foreign language short written down because I'd seen all the shorts this year okay I've seen a documentary that was up for a BAFTA but it wasn't up for an Oscar but I hadn't seen as much I was sitting there when Tenet once I've going I've seen that I've seen Tenet woohoo brilliant cinematography brilliant fantastic ah so yes love that brilliant oh also why no Sean Sheep? Sean Sheep was robbed Good if I'm again. Um, anyhow, I've digressed. Um, yeah, so I liked the fact that they talked about the people, but I didn't like the fact that we didn't see clips of the films until it got to like near the end for like best picture or when we were doing something for an animated or something like that. It was a bit odd that we didn't see the clips. I like the fact that they didn't actually hand it to the cameras they were all the people that they had there because once again the oscars had no host um they just talked in general to the room that was nice i liked the intimacy of that it felt more like a, ah this is a cool club and these are cool people that have made epic films and we're here to celebrate it that was nice i like the fact that the black as much as it still was black tie and dressing up it had been toned down so all the guys were in polo next i mean you've all seen the picture of daniel sitting there with his oscar being like i am the biggest moon right now staring at you and you're mine and it's brilliant and riz ahmed sorting out his wife's hair was lovely um but it was it just felt more like this is how award ceremony should be in the future. Well, I don't need you to turn up wearing your Gucci finery. I know that, you know, if you're going to the Oscars, it's your one day to be a movie star, definitely. But sometimes you see them all and all the guys are just in the same black tux and they ask girls what they're wearing, but we don't ask the guy, ah, what are you wearing for him to go and say Gucci or this or whatever. I don't do fashion. I'm sorry, um, unless it's the sewing bee. That's not fashion, that's Joe Lysett. Um, but I liked the fact it was toned down. I liked the fact that people presented two awards and that they moved around the room. That was quite good. But overall, there weren't many shocks to it. You just sat there and you watched it and you went, okay, yeah, that one, yeah, fair enough. And... It felt a little bit like a non-event, if I'm honest, probably because I hadn't seen all of them. But it just, there was just something missing. Maybe it was Razzmatazz and the packed hall and the stupid skits, but I'm glad we got rid of the skits because I don't need Meryl Streep sitting on a jet ski saying, ah, one random member of the audience is going to win this or, ah, we're now going to go to this cinema and meet these people. Ah, we're now going to go to there and do this and all that kind of stuff. Nah, I don't need that. Um, I love the fact that the director of Parasite 
um, was uh, and that his translator was there. But he wasn't pulling funny faces like other where he normally is, which he's normally just from being like, oh, you only said that because obviously he can understand English and speak a bit of it, but he can't do it enough that she's in there. So I'm glad they were back. Um, I like the fact that she said at the end of it and the Oscar goes to in Korean and then he did the end of it in English. That was nice. What? Yeah, it just felt like a bit of a non-event. The, the shocks weren't <gasps> shocks because we'd seen something similar at BAFTAs. It just felt a bit normal. And I guess that's all right because at the end of the day, probably all the correct people did win. Uh got to feel a bit sorry for Chadwick because he was, until basically five days ago, he was favourite to win. Um, and let's be honest, if been, he would have probably deserved his nominations if he was alive, which we talked about last time. Um, and Riz looked amazing. And I love the fact that Olivia Coleman turned up and was just being Olivia Coleman because that's what she is. She is a little Olivia Coleman that we've all watched for years in the Michelin web look and peep show and all that and hot fuzz and things like that and we've all just loved her for years and suddenly she's you know she's now twice oscar nominated she's got one and she's gonna run after another and you know she's little olivia coleman so she's doing us brits proud but yeah just I want to get back. It's made me want to get back into cinemas more to watch films so then I can have a more valid opinion of what I've watched. Hopefully all these films will actually be available when cinemas reopen in three weeks. Fingers crossed. So that is what I thought of this year's Oscars. Let me know what you think. It'd be really interesting to see what you all think. And do you have this opinion every year when you don't watch all the Oscars, people? Because, you know, as someone that does watch all the films... I sit there and I enjoy when someone wins for cinematography. I think, yes, you did really well. You drew that fish really well. Or you added this explosion, whatever. Whereas this year, I was just kind of sitting there going, like, ah, hair and makeup, Ma Rainey. Now this, that, uh, you know. Is that what you feel like on normal Oscar years if you don't sit there and try and do the lot like me? Let me know. But that was the 2021 Popcorn for One Oscar review. Time to talk about my big film of the week. My big film of the week this week is A Private War from 2018. You can currently watch this on Netflix UK. It is a real life story. It's a film that didn't actually get that huge release over here. It was very limited, though it was not in that many cinemas. And I can understand why that was the case, but... I wish it wasn't. I wish everyone could see this film because when you look at it and you see it, you think, oh, my God, what? Oh, ah, oh no, no. Um, and then you realise it actually happened and you think, oh, no. So this is going to be a bit spoiler-filled. However, this did happen in real life. You can look up this person in real life and see that this all actually did happen to the one and only Marie Colvin. And it's shocking. And I'm going to say stuff that if you've got kids listening to, it might sound a bit grim and horrendous, but I doubt there are many kids listening to this. So let's let's see how we go, shall we? So for those that don't know, Marie Colvin was a Sunday Times journalist who went behind the lines 
and reported in places in the world where you don't want to report Iraq, Syria, Libya, Afghanistan, Iran, everywhere. And she was one of the best journalists of her time and she didn't take no for an answer. And she was brave enough to take the decisions where she just went, right, we need to get the truth out there. I'm willing to risk my life to do this and always just took it that step too far. Did mean that she lost an eye in Sri Lanka after um, trekking with the Tamil Tigers um, and then suffered PTSD, which is quite horrendous when you watch it back in the film because you're sitting there and because you've not seen, you've seen what makes her lose her eye, but because you've not seen beforehand what's happened when you then watch it back and you see all the clips, you just think, oh no, no, there's a, Oh, there's a child or there's a man or there's this explosion and there's all this stuff going on and you do just sit there and think oh that's a bit graphic but if she actually was suffering from PTSD and she had said that these were things that were going on in her head to other people then okay a film does actually add more drama to it obviously it's a film it wants to grab your attention but if she saw a portion of what you really saw in the film wow um it's properly gritty and dirty. And Rosamund Pike was absolutely stunning as Marie. You couldn't take your eyes off her, not just because of your eye patch, but it, she held her own. She went through all the different stages of grief and PTSD and asking for help and not asking for help, but wanting to go back to work, but knowing that if she's danger about herself, so it was that constant cycle and in her battles with herself, but she couldn't not do it because she knew she had to get the truth out there. Then you also have Jamie Dornan as her photographer that she meets about a quarter of the way through the film, who then goes around with her and takes all of her photos and reports with her. And he's the perfect light to her shade in this film. He is the person busy going, that's probably a step too far, that's in this, but he's willing to do it because he knows that the truth needs to be out there. And the actual real Paul Conroy, who is still alive um, and watched her and Remy die, um, really did do an awful lot for us all and did a lot for her. And probably without him, she probably wouldn't have got as many stories in the end of her career, but knowing that she had someone she could trust meant that she could go back out there. Um, the person that always surprises me in films, and I'm not sure why anymore, because he keeps I keep sitting there thinking, oh, he's really good in this, oh, he's really good in that, and I'm not sure why it surprises me, because he is that good. Tom Hollander, in charge of the Sunday Times, when he does that speech to her on the riverbank about conviction and that she is willing to do this and that if she is not willing to do it, everyone else is just going to turn a blind eye to her, and because she does it, it makes them all better and he doesn't actually really care about all the trophies that are on his shelf being the newspaper of the year it's brilliant and at the end when he's on the, when he's watching her speak every actually everyone because she speaks she's in syria when they're but when they are bombing syria and she decides to go back because she sent her report but she knows that she can be linked and then talk about it on tv so she does that and He's watching it and the world's watching it and her 
partner actually just started dating. He's watching it and she's busy saying this. And the way they're all looking at it, it they, were, they are all, I know that they obviously knew what happened following this um, conversation and this broadcast that she does actually then die in the building that she's in. It's bombed and she and Remy pass away and Paul survives and then goes on to tell her story. Um, that's your spoiler, but it happened in real life. But the fact that you kind of know that the death's coming at some point, whether the fact that it's straight afterwards is a bit like, oh, wah, that's a sudden definite line. This is that she's just done this amazing thing now she's dead. But the fact that they're all looking at the screen and everyone's watching it, it links all the other stories that have joined her life so that all of her stories are connected into her final one, which is really nice and is some really good closure. And it's one of those where you just sit there and you just think, wow. Yes, this is powerful. This is impacting. I mean, her, the filming of going, even though they've not actually gone into war zones to film this, but, you know, the fact that you're sitting there throughout the rest of the film going, oh, there's a mass grave and, oh, this person's been blown up and the PTSD and all the other horrific stuff that's been happening. The fact that there's just this moment of calm and amongst all the madness sums up a little bit of what's going on right now. And it's just one of those moments where you sit there and you think, wow, yes, what a moment to watch this film, what, what a set of performances, what clarity, what brilliance, and then she's dead. And you feel like you're crawling with Jamie, who's playing Paul, to see that everyone's okay, just to cling on to the end of it, because... You don't want the film to end. You don't want her to be dead. You know she is because you know the story of her and, and what she did and what she did for speaking the truth and getting the actual human stories out of horrific conflicts. And you want to cling on to it as well. And that's how powerful a film can be, that you want to cling on to it. And even though you know it's going to end in horrors and sadness and that, this has happened, but then life will continue and things might not actually be resolved, makes it so powerful. And I know war films aren't for everyone, especially war films about actual real people, but if you want to watch a gritty, honest and truthful real-life story which isn't afraid to not kick you when you're down and just make you want to curl up into a ball and be like, oh, but then you have to watch it because these things are going on in the world. Then this is the film for you. I know it's not something recent. I've not watched that much this week. That's been recent. I mean, it could have been, it was probably going to be Britney Spears or the accountant that I was going to talk about. But the fact that this film affected me so in such a way the other night I just had to talk about it and actually express my feelings because I have told everyone since when people text me and go, like, well, have you watched this movie? I'm like, watch a private war. Watch a private war. What did you watch? Watch a private war. Watch a private war. I'm now telling you through my podcast that you should watch a private war. It might not be for some of you and you might find it a bit too gritty and a bit too dark. However, it's going to be worth it. Trust me. For Rosamund Pike's performance and Jamie Dornan's, you just sit there and it's brilliant acting. And the fact that they come across so many people and they do genuinely look like there is human emotion and it's not just acting and you do actually think for a few seconds that actually they're not actors, they are the actual real people. 
that's why it's good. That's why it's believable. And that's why human emotions in acting are so underrated when you actually can't see. You know, I love my Marvel films. I do. At the end of the day, though, when he takes that hat off, it's not Tony Stark I'm looking at. I'm looking at Robert Downey Jr. When I was watching Private War, despite the fact I've watched countless films with both Rosman and Jamie in, they were the two journalists, and it worked, and it linked, and it was stunning. So that's my big review for the week, and I seriously recommend that if you think you've got the stomach for it, you should watch A Private War. Now it's time to do the box office top 10, your favourite section, which actually for the first three weeks I have realised, well, first three fortnights, I have realised it's been the same film at number one throughout. I have also realised that the actual film box office chart comes out on Wednesday and I've recorded this on Monday. So because I'm now doing that, it will always mean that when I tell you that this is number one, there is a huge chance that it might not be. Um, this is probably going to come out before the chart comes out because I think it comes out at like 10 p.m. on the Wednesday. So it could all be changed right now. But for the sixth week in a row, Wonder Woman 1984 is top of the UK film, DVD and sales chart because guess what? There is still no box office top 10 to tell you about. Uh, I know. We have had some movers, though, this week. Um, Soul is now at number two. Joker's at three. Godzilla, King of Monsters dropped to number four. The Invisible Man has moved up to five in the chart from number 11. So that's what's happened in the top five. Um, other movers this week or entries, um, we've got, got the original, well, not the original, the 2014 Godzilla film, uh, moved up from 29 to number 8. Let Him Go is a new entry at number 9. I have no idea what that is. Um, Great Showman, which was up at the top and then dropped and then has come back up, has gone back to number 12. Um, there's um, a few other things. Uh, Tenants moved back up. The chance of Trolls for the first time in a year is no longer in the top 10. That's a bit odd. Um, I'm just looking at the rest of the chart. First, uh, Frey entered at number 29 this week, and so and Le Mans has also entered at number 33. And also, quite interestingly, maybe it's because you've all been hearing me chat about it. So has Jojo Rabbit. Yay! Obviously, people are getting on their Tiger systems. Um, We've obviously seen that he's going to be on Drag Race in a couple of weeks, so that's going to be brilliant. And also, bottom of the chart, re-entry, is Titanic. So, yeah, it's a very interesting chart. It'll be interesting to see what happens when cinemas reopen. Will things move around? Will it still be um, comic books and kids films that are near the top? Although, I, I haven't said that, you know, Godzilla and the Joker aren't exactly... That, but you know, they're big box office hits which have done well. So that's the case. Wonder Woman, as of the 26th of April, is number one in your official film chart. Hopefully, in three and in two, well, it's now two and a half weeks. 
time, um, we'll actually be able to tell you what is top of the film box office at cinemas. Oh, it can't come soon enough sitting in a dark room watching a film. It really can't. And that is my fortnight of film people. Thank you all, as always, for listening to me chat. Um, sorry if it's gone on a little bit. Uh, you know where to find me by now. Um, link in the description of the podcast for you to access the website. Um, as I've said earlier on, I've updated my blog website this fortnight, so you can review that. That's popcornforone.co.uk. And Twitter, it's at popcorn underscore four underscore one. Um, you'll, you can message me on there. Um, and I hope you all have a fabulous fortnight. Enjoy your bank holiday weekend. Um, don't get up to anything too stupid. Enjoy the pub because um, pubs are now open. Um, that's what I'm doing Friday. And just relax and chill and enjoy it. And ELE, everybody love everybody. Until next time, I'll see you later. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs>